0: is that we're looking today at the books and not in relationship of how God has given them to us. I've used for years to say, wonder why in the world the Lord started this off in the first chapter of Matthew with the begats. That was when I first started preaching. And I've asked that question for a long time until God settled me with that. And uh, God starts the beginning where He starts the beginning. Amen. I believe believe Genesis is in the the proper place in the Bible. They say that Job is the oldest book of the Bible. I don't know where they get that information. And I don't don't find no inspiration in the Word of God that tells me that unless I'm not seeing it. And uh, so they say it's the oldest book. And if it's the oldest book, why wouldn't it be the first book? And... uh, it's, it's not. Genesis is. And I believe Genesis is played. I believe every book in my Bible, in your Bible too, if you got the right one, is exactly at the right place. I do. I believe God gives, gives instruction. Now, why would this be in Matthew? Because uh, this is important. This is an important chapter of the book of Matthew. It's an important. Because it's the not the beginning of Christ but it's the beginning of the genealogy of the Lord. And uh, he's, he's establishing a fact out of the book of Matthew. Christ, the Son of God, has to be and he is the Savior, and, and the Savior, and, and uh, pointed to be the King, if you will. He's going to be the King uh, upon this earth and, and the kingdom of heaven on the earth one of these days. There is a kingdom on the earth. There, that's right. But it's not ruled by the Lord at the present time. But He will. It's ruled by the Gentiles. That was our study yesterday. Until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, and we went through that. But what I'm trying to get at today is, when you look at these, they it, it don't sound interesting. But this book's very interesting, and this first chapter is very interesting to me. I preached a lot of times off of the first chapter. But well, we're talking about a king coming. And a king's got to have some kind of lineage to the throne. And he does it in two books. I think I've said this in the last couple of lessons, one of them at least, that uh, there's a genealogy in Matthew and there's a genealogy in Luke. Now the one in um, Matthew is different than the one in Luke, but it's the same people, but you'll find it, The Lord run it off of two lines. He run it off of Joseph and he run it off of Mary. And that's very important. And Joseph is not the father of God. Or of Jesus, I mean. He's not the father of of Jesus. No, sir. But because God is the father. And so we're looking at this. But you can't use somebody that's not in the lineage. Uh, for the other side, for Mary, so it gives the lineage of her. Matthew portrays Christ as the King of the Jews, so he's got to have a genealogy. Mark portrays him as a, a suffering servant or a worker. A worker, he don't need no genealogy. When you went to get a job wherever you're working, uh, they didn't ask you who you. They might have uh, wanted that for information. But they weren't concerned about who your uncle and your cousin and all that was. Amen. You're just going to push a broom. What do you need a genealogy for that for? And then Luke comes along and portrays Christ as the son of man. That means when you say son of man, you'd be surprised that people in our Baptist churches today don't even know the difference between the son of man and the son of God. Well, they're both the same, but they don't know the difference between that phrase. Son of man means he's all God and all man at the same time. That's talking about his incarnation where Christ is, is Jesus, you know, and, and he's, the, he's God in flesh, manifested in the flesh. And then John portrays him as the son of God, and uh, that means he's the son of God. You can't, you can't change that, right? And so all three, all four of these gospels portray Christ in a different manner, and uh, one is written to the Greeks, and one to the Jew, and, and uh, you know, uh, and, and when going through one uh, written to different people in in the society, John to the Christian, that sure does. And we look at that, and uh, so we 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 get these things and look at them. I'm just kind of getting you up to the place to look at it. And I pray that the Lord might bless. So we get to looking at these begets. We kind of get a little in, discouraged, and then we kind of don't. You can read that if you wasn't looking and wasn't really looking for something, and didn't already know a little bit about the Bible. You could look at that and say, "Why in the world? That's discouraging me." How many times have you ever heard people say, "I just can't read all them words in the Old Testament"? Is I can't read the that that ain't no excuse. It's the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, is it? And it's there. I just make a stab at it. I don't even quit worrying about. It. Oh, you know, I, I see people sit down there, get a dictionary, and get all that stuff. And uh, you, if you've done any of that at all, you found out that uh, you call one one thing, and ten years later, uh, you picked up something where somebody announced it in another way, and you, you now you don't know which one to go with. And I just say. Uh, Jonah, excuse me if I'm wrong, but I'll call you Jonah. And then I get over to the New Testament and call him Jonas, and I say, all right, Jonah, Jonas, whoever you are, I'm listening to you. Matter of fact, let me just tell, tell you this. In the Word of God, Jonah, and I hear people preach on Jonah. You know what they preach about Jonah? Backslidden preachers water by a whale. Backslidden preachers made the... Well, sick, he vomited up and he had to take off and go again. That's what I've heard all my life. But you know what Joni is? It's a prophecy book. It's not a little storytelling book that you just entertain kids with. Yeah. I've heard that all my life. So when I preach it, I preach it as a prophetic book. And if you don't look at the line of prophecy, you're taking it out of context of what God gave it. Those are good applications, what you preach about that. Especially the children, you know, about Jonah and all that. And it's, it's, it's typical life, too, of uh, people on the earth. But God wrote it for a prophecy book. Because he said there'll be no sign given except Jonas and the whale. Where Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. That's a prophecy. Or it was with Jonah at that time. It's not now. He came. He died. He went to the gro- grave and he arose on the third day. That prophecy now is fulfilled. Right? You just look at those things. There's lots of little books in there. Like a, right, let's take the book of Esther. For years I looked at the book of Esther and I said, did you know it don't even have the name God in it? What in the world are you going to learn from that? What's the It's a prophecy book. Have you ever understood where the prophecy is? In it? Just listen to this. Now, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm going back too far, I guess, right now, I go ahead, but I, I want you to hear this because I, I just have to pick the opportunities that God puts it up, and uh, this is an opportunity about prophecy, in a sense, because I'm going to explain some more things to you about the book of Matthew. If you can get the book of Matthew down pat, you'll understand what's going on in our world today, and preachers are preaching it uh, on the surface as stories, and is... Uh, Things and I told you yesterday why we have the parables and so forth. But now you look at this and you see the difference. There's the book of Esther. You remember the, the characters in the book of Esther? Mordecai, that's one, he's a Jew. Esther was a Jew, she is the queen. But uh, what's the other woman, the, the queen? No, no, the queen is in, in the book of Esther. Uh, Vasti, yeah. I don't know why I had a blank. She was the king, a queen. Vashti, or Vashti, or whatever her name is. And uh, you remember Esther become? she was in that court. And then who was the other one? One more character. Haman. Haman right I hadn't forgot him I just want somebody to say it but Haman Haman was the uh, hang man that become the hung man. <laughs> now Haman was a type of the devil working against the people of God. He despised Mordecai because Mordecai would not bow to him. You know what? That's the type of the devil hates you and me in the church and his and God's people because we will not and do not bow to him. At least most folks don't, right? So he got mad and he built a, ha- a noose and a uh, place to hang. And then he, uh, at the end, what happened? It was turned. God turned it through Esther. And uh, she found favor with the king. And what happened is they hung Haman. And that's what's going to happen at the wind-up of the age. Haman is going to be hung. The devil. He's going to be hung. And Christ is going to take over. And he's a type of... of, uh, um, Mordecai, when Mordecai comes, all right, so we got that out of the way, now let's look this morning back in Matthew, and I want to look at the last portion of that, I want you to go to verse number 17, got quite a bit I want to give you, and then we'll be out of chapter 1 and into chapter 2, and I'm going to go that way people are preaching some of this stuff differently you remember it's in this book of Matthew and we may not get there today it's in chapter 4 that the Lord was called out in the wilderness tempted of Satan for 40 days and 40 nights 40 is a, is a time of testing in the Bible and uh, you'll see a lot of stuff happening in 40 days and 40 things you know when the number 40 I'm not I'm I like numbers in the Bible. I don't preach too many numbers here. sin because I got people here that don't like to hear it. They think it's foolish. But I don't care if you think it's foolish or not, it's still right. It helps me. God's a better mathematician than you are. He's better in arithmetic than I am. When God says three days and three nights, that's exactly what he meant. You're gonna be in the heart of the earth three days and three oh that number ain't significant. Oh it is. It's, it's the perfect number of God if you look at it. He said seven is well three is two, one God. Three persons in 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 that realm of being God. As a matter of fact, we'll look at that to probably today. But if you go to verse 17. Of the book of Matthew one, it said, "So all the generations from, uh, so all the generations from Abraham to David, you see that Abraham to David, that's the starting point of this genealogy. Now this is important. This didn't. This is, genealogy does not take you back to God the Father. It takes you back to Abraham. Who was Abraham?" He was the friend of God. He believed God and it was accounted unto him for what? Righteousness. Say it loud. Righteousness. Righteousness. Wouldn't that be good to see that all over our land? Well, ain't it going to be good when we do see it? Yep, it's coming. He said, so all the generations from Abraham to David are what? How many? Fourteen. All right. Fourteen generations. Fourteen generations. And then from David unto the carrying away into Babylon are fourteen generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon from unto Christ are fourteen generations. There's three fourteens there. I don't get into all the details of that. Not this morning. I can, but we're not going to. So you find this, that there's three fourteens. That's complete. I guarantee you. God's given us. Now, do you know what number 14 is and what, the, what it stands for? If you've ever studied numbers, you'll find that 14 means deliver or deliverance. From the ones that put all this together. <laughs> and I got showed this by a preacher many years ago. I've showed it here before, but I'll do it now. Go back in the front of your Bible go to, I don't even usually refer to this, but turn to where you find the, the titles and, and and the names or the Old Testament book in the front of it where it's got a listing. The list of the books. And you're going to look at this and it says, we're going to look at the number 14 for a minute and show, show you that God even, when he penned out the, see God had the Bible penned, it, it was like a, a a paragraph in a paragraph form when it come out. And when they translated uh, from Hebrew and the Greek, they put it in chapters and verses. And one fellow said, I don't believe that's inspired. I believe God had a hand in it. If I said Luke 2.19 and is in paragraph form, how long did it take you to get to 2.14 or 2.9 or 2.10 or whatever? Could you find it in the middle of a paragraph? So I'm glad they put the numbers to the Bible. So it says here, and I'm looking at my, in front of it, in titles. I want you to go and see where it starts in Genesis and then in Malachi, the Old Testament. You see that? Now, how many books is in the new in the Old Testament? 39. I'm not trying to check your you know your numbers, but I just it's 39. And so there's 39s, we're going to go to the 39th book that's in recorded here and uh, they may maybe out of order the way they wrote them, but uh going to Malachi. If Malachi, take your finger and just count up. Malachi is 1, and then Zechariah 2, Haggai 3, Zephaniah 4, Haggai 5, Nahum 6, Micah 7, Jonah 8, amen, I could say something there, Obadiah 9, Amos 10, Joel uh, 11, Hosea uh, 12, let's see, 12, Daniel what? 13, and Ezekiel, 14, 14, 14. That's what I'm looking at, 14. Now, get your composure a little bit, and let's turn over to Ezekiel, the 14th book of your Bible. I, I sat under a fellow that was number-wise. He was, uh, some of the things I thought he went a little bit over, overbearing and overboard, but the older I get, the less I think that now. When you get to the book of Ezekiel, turn to the 14th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. You have time to get to the 14th chapter. When you get to the 14th chapter, go down to the 14th verse. All right? When you get to the 14th verse, start counting at the verse one, I mean, word one, and let's count 14 words. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. What is the 14th word? Deliver. deliver. See? God knows more about this stuff than we we think we know. Now you said, why? But would you notice the three that was in here, he talked about Noah. What did he do? Help deliver mankind. He's in the ark, brought eight souls out now he didn't do it but God did it through him right Daniel Daniel was delivered from the lion's den delivered out and Job he was uh, uh, delivered out of all the things he went through of suffering and everything persecution so God knows what he's talking about so when he says deliver we're going to go back and look back in Matthew now And in Matthew chapter 1 if you look at the first verse it says the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Now look at this important I like it. There's three terms that's given to the Lord. One is Lord. One is Jesus. And the other is Christ. Lord means he's the master. If you're a slave and I'm not talking about Literally a slave. I am a slave to Jesus Christ. But I'm I'm, I'm a slave to Him by my choice. I believe He's my Lord. If He's my Lord, He has the right to direct me and tell me what to do. He saved me to do one thing, and that's to work for Him. He didn't save me to straighten people out. I done found out a long time ago you can't do that. I've raised kids. If you raise kids, you can't straighten them out. But you can sit God on them. And he can do a big job with them. Amen. Amen. I tried to help him. He didn't need no help. The Lord, the Lord can do this. Now, is this understandable? Do you see in this? And this is something you don't need to throw your Bible away for. The second one, this is a generation. He's telling you what this is a generation of. This is what we call the family tree of Jesus. And that's his earthly sojourn. You can't find a family tree on his, amen, divine order. He's God. Many have taught that Christ did not exist until he was born of a virgin in the city of Bethlehem. I disagree with them. Because they don't have no scripture to back it. Amen. He has always been. John chapter 1 tells us. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. And I'm just mentioning the one Lord. Lord's not there. He don't have to be your Lord. Most of the time, people, the people of God don't trust him as Lord. They run their own life. We run our own lives, ladies and gentlemen, to a certain degree. You it takes a it's a hard thing to allow Jesus to be Lord. If he's Lord, he controls every I want to say part, but I'll say every stitch of your life. You obey him. If he's your Lord, your desire. You, you remember what Abraham and Sarah The Bible said Sarah called Abraham Lord. I tried that a time or two with my wife. You know what she said? Uh, I'm not Sarah and you're not Abraham. I said, I know, but I know what the Bible says. That she considered her husband as Lord. Amen. Amen. And she died never accepting that fact. Or at least, uh, if she did, she didn't admit it. So the Lord is in control, or supposed to be in control. Is that not what the Lord wants you to do when He saved you? Well, if He's Lord, that means you live and work for Him. That means you live and and are willing to die for Him. That means whatever He tells you in this book, you're going to obey that. Now, we just pick and choose what we want to obey. We pick and choose what we want. Men and women together, we do that. Then the next one he's talking about is Jesus. You know what Jesus means? Somebody tell me. Surely you do. Savior. The one who saves. So Jesus, you remember in Matthew 1, we're going to get to that pretty soon. And he said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he uh, will save them from their sins. It tells us here, we'll look at that. So, Savior and, and Jesus are the same. Now, what's Christ mean? The anointed. That's his heavenly name. His earthly name is Jesus. And his title is Lord. Now, we've got to get that right. If we, uh, if we push off any of that, we miss, we're the ones that miss the blessing. Yeah. You said, but I'm saved. Well, I don't care if you are saved. He still wants you to obey. What did he save you for? He said, save me to keep me out of hell. No, he saved you to work for him. Yes, that does keep you out of hell if you're saved. But what what he he didn't he he come into the world to what seek and to save that which was lost. That's what he come in the world for. Uh, he tells us in the Bible that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. So that means that God wants everybody saved, but he can't save all of them. Not because he's not able or not capable. But he can't save them simply because they will not call upon For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's multitudes of people that will never call on him. There's a multitudes in hell now that have not called on him. Amen. We was in a discussion sometime this week, and I don't even remember who we was in a discussion with. And I said this, there's not but one thing that can keep you from going to heaven. And that's not trusting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's the only thing that can get you in there, and that's uh, by doing it. And that's the only thing that'll keep you out of it. If you're lost, is not to believe on Him. Now I can't preach uh, and be right without saying that. So you see that he's he's got the genealogy, and if you look at it. Matthew is talking about, and you're going to see what the whole book of Matthew is about. And if you don't get this, you're going to miss, miss something. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. You know what a generation is? It's not a certain number of people, a num- number of years. That's what I used to think it was. Uh, these folks come through and say it's 30, 35 years, 40 years, 45 years, 50 years. And especially for the date setters, tried to get all that done. But it, a, the, a generation is the length of of the family. And they're different from some of the others. See, the other day it wasn't too long. and I'm standing there. We get a picture made. It's It's me, my son, my granddaughter, and my great-granddaughter. Now, according to what man says, that's four generations. How long is that going to be? I don't know. I don't know how long I'm going to live, but when I die, whatever die, whatever year I die, and add it back to the smallest child, that's going to be my generation, is it not? And it'll be the same way in yours. So don't go overboard talking about generations in the Bible, but we've got here, of course I can also say that Jesus is had no beginning of time and no beginning of days I mean no ending of days so he's got and that's why this is so important to me this is an eternal genealogy because he has always been and always will be you know why? because it started with him amen and a generation at the end of it you'll find out Christ. you see what it says here and uh, see so if you look at verse number 18 See, so he said in verse 17 so all the generations from Abraham to David tells us about all of them we talked about it but if you look at verse 16 it said and Jacob begat Joseph the husband of Mary of whom was born Jesus who is called Christ it started with Christ it ends with him Amen. in the genealogy now, these are deep things that lots of people in the world don't understand. They don't see it. Amen. Uh, I tell you what, this is, everybody ought to look at this. Uh, I, if you'll really get a hold of it, these big gats won't bother you too much. You might not pronounce their names, but uh, you can see this. Now, let's just get something going here. I'm going to look at my watch to make sure I don't run over time. But let's look at this. I never get through. You know that, don't you? This book's too big. Hey, Amen. We could cut it half in two. We just we wouldn't know as much as we ought to know and we wouldn't get to what we did have uh, rightly divided. So it's important to have it all. But if we cut it half in two, we got more to preach the rest of our life than we get preached. Amen. Just knowing what we know. All right. Let's look at this. I appreciate it this morning. It said 14 generations. If you got your piece of paper, I want you to write this down. You go look at this. i got, if you look at my pages in my Bible, it's, I've got them circle and red and uh, blue and black. And I mean, it's so much. And I don't, I don't know where I'm adding to it or not. I don't think, well, I'm not trying to add anything to it, but I do just highlight them words and names. And then I go back and look at them. Uh, we'll, We'll look at this. Now he says, 14 generations. Now look at it. He said, I'm going to read this again. Get it in your mind. So all the generations from Abraham to David are what? 14 generations. And they were delivered. God delivered all those from Abraham down to David. Abraham is known as the father uh, or the friend of God. Excuse me. He's known as a friend of God. He believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. He was a man of faith. What is faith? Amen. Hebrews 11 tells us, you know, it uh, uh, talks about what it is, the Bible term for it. And I've looked at it and I said, uh I sum it up and I'm not changing the word of God and summing it up but this will fit the definition of faith as evidence of things not seen uh, you know it tells us about that. It's a substance of things what hope for and the evidence of things not seen and I sum up what's that mean preacher? it means just believe in God that's all it means because Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. So don't try to get out in the left field and in and, and the weed patch out there trying to figure out all this. It won't do you no good. You're going to end up, you know, dignified and not know what you know or what you're thinking of. And so I'm looking at this. From, Ab- from Abraham to David was 14 generation. Now I'm going to write this down. And you take it home and you compare these over here. The first one was Abraham. I've got them all in a little row here the second one is I is Isaac the third one is Jacob they're all mentioned in front of you in the Bible and the fourth one is Judas fifth one is Ferris isram is is uh, what six aram seven amenadab eight uh, Nasan uh, nine Salmon 10 Boaz or Boaz here is uh, 11. Obed 12, Jesse 13, and David's number 14. You see it? Just like the Bible said. Why would I want to do that, preacher? God took care of all those, delivered them out of every problem. Now you find that they went through the uh, place over there and called the wilderness. Could have took them 13 days, I guess, or 11 to 13 days to gotten in to the land of Canaan. But it took 40 years because they didn't make him Lord. And they wandered around like chickens with their heads cut off. Yeah. And they're whining, murmuring, griping, complaining. I know a little bit about that because I've been in churches for 50 years listening to people gripe and grumble and complain. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm talking about? So now if you, you take those and you'll see them in line. Then it comes back, the second 14 is Solomon. uh, uh, Roboam, Abiah, Asa, uh, Josaphat, and uh, they got different names in the Old Testament, by the way, because this is the Greek spelling. Joram, Hoseas, Jonathan, Achaz, Ezekiel, uh, Manassas, Ammon, Josias, and Jeconias. And that's brought them through Solomon, down through the captivity in Babylon, Babylon, God delivered them from that, and then we find the third fourteen is from Shelatiel, Jeroboam, Abiab, Eliakim, Azar, Sadak, Hachem, Eliad, Eleazar, Mathan, Jacob, Joseph, and then I want to show you this. Mary, which is the only one here, that's a woman in that lineage, and she has to be put there because she is the mother of Christ. Because she's given a genealogy for Christ out of heaven to man on the earth. And it's given it. And then the last one is Jesus. And He's delivered us from everything we've already been through and going through and going to deliver it and wind it all up. It starts with Jesus. It ends with Jesus. Our church service ought to start with Jesus and end with Jesus. Our lives ought to start with Jesus and end with Jesus. Does that makes sense? Amen. That's just such a big uh confusing portion of Scripture in the book of Matthew. But isn't it so good to see how it can all be put together? Amen. Well, I guess we'll have to go through this again because this is His human ancestry. He's given us His human... Ins- this is divine intercessory, divine in, um, ancestry. And then we didn't get to talking about all the other ancestries that I was going to talk about today. And we'll let them go, pick them up maybe next Sunday. I was hoping to get further. But there's just so much there, Right? I hope this will help you. Don't ever throw that book away and don't ever complain about it again. Somebody said, I don't like all them baguettes. Just say, look, I love them. They tell me about my Savior. He wasn't an ordinary man. He wasn't flesh like you and me. He was a divine intercessor for you and me. He was a divine sacrifice for you and me. And let's tell it that way. Praise God. Just take a different look at Christ." who He is. We don't do enough of that. All right, let's pray. Father, thank You this morning for the privilege of prayer, being able to call on You. Thank You, Father, that we can study the Word of God. You can show us and reveal to us what we need to know. Help it to stay with us, Lord. And may we visit it quite often enough that we'll keep it under our belt. God, not let it get away from us. May we be strong in the Lord and the power of the Lord Jesus. And Lord, direct us with rest of the service today that your name might be lifted and exalted in Jesus name we pray amen amen all right get ready for worship